let's read Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 6. There's a reason why I'm reading. I know a lot of times we've gotten, uh, sometimes we've gotten a little bit, little bit lazy in church, and we forget that this is why we come to church, right? We come to church so that we can dig into the Word of God and we can understand what God is saying to His people. Okay, uh, chapter 19, beginning at verse 1. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him, we should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they speak with tongues and prophesy. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning at verse 1, okay? If you have your Bibles, I want you to go there with me. 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 1 through 11. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, this is Paul speaking to the Corinthians, I would not have you ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away onto these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Somebody say, same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. Somebody say, same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit withal. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. Somebody say word of wisdom. To another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another the working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another discerning of spirits to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that on, all these worketh that one and the self-same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. Okay? Uh, still in 1 Corinthians um, chapter 12. Let's skip to verse 28. And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Are all apostles? Somebody say no. Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Have all the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret, but covet or desire earnestly the best gifts, and yet 
show I unto you a more excellent way. Okay? Chapter 13. Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass or a tingling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be buried, to be burned, and have not love, it profiteth me nothing. Love suffereth long. And is kind. Love envieth not. Love vaunteth not itself. Okay? King James gave you some interesting words. Uh, you should read this in the New Living. It breaks it down for you. It says, uh, love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not puffed up. Love keeps no record of wrong. Okay? Love uh, does not seek its own. Love is not easily provoked. Love thinketh not evil. Love rejoiceth not in iniquity. That means you don't rejoice in the downfall of other people. Amen. He said, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Somebody said they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Somebody said they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but that which, but when that which is perfect is come, when that which is perfect is come, okay? And let me just correct a, uh, a uh, historical uh, misconception here, because there are some groups of people who believe that that which is perfect is the word of God, okay? Uh, but the correct interpretation here is the second coming of Christ. He's saying that by, when that which is perfect is come, all of these things will cease. Whether you prophesy, whether you speak in tongues, whether you perform miracles, whether you operate in gifts of healings and deliverance and all those things, when that which is perfect has come, all those things will cease. Because when in the second coming, when Jesus returned, there will be no need for prophecy. So because right now we see things in part, but by then we will see the whole picture. There's an old song that says we will understand it better by and by, okay? So uh, if you are operating, I believe that Adam and Eve, I suspect that Adam and Eve somehow, the difference between uh, the fall and before the fall is they might have been operating at 100% of their brain capacity. <laughs> Imagine that. Do you know that we use only anywhere from 5 to 10%? People who are operating at 10% of their brain capacity in life today as we know it are your geniuses. Did you know that? We're not even utilizing 10% of the capacity of our, the best, most fascinating supercomputer ever created. It's not even, doesn't even come close to the ability of the human brain. You can do more in your sleep than the most, than the best computer ever made can do, operating at its maximum capacity. That's how God made you. That's how God engineered you. Okay, so I believe that uh, in the second coming, when Christ comes the second time, 
we will be operating, okay, in our glorified bodies, we will be operating then at 100% of our brain capacity. Perhaps we will be traveling at the speed of thought. You know, I just, I like to just (laughs) ponder awesome things. Amen. It keeps me, you know, it helps me stay put. It keeps me, you see, you, you, there has to be something uh, awe-inspiring about God, you know, about your faith, about your love for God. If, if you lose that awe of God in your life, that's when your faith starts to dwindle. That's when your fire and the presence of God in your life, you just see that light starts to get ready because there's, there's something every morning when you wake up, you, you should just marvel at the awesomeness of God. Amen? Okay? So I'm going to read one more for you, I promise you, and that's it. Galatians chapter 5, uh, verse 22 to 23. Okay? But what Paul is saying here in 13, he's saying all these things will cease. He said uh, the, the, the most important thing is not whether you prophesy. The most important thing is not whether you operate in the gifts of the Spirit. The most important thing is love. He said because love will not cease. Even in the second coming, when you're operating at 100% of your brain capacity, when you're in your glorified body, when there's no more pain and no more tears and there's no more uh, uh, death, you will still need love. Love is still going to be around. Love will never cease. Okay? Even though you will understand fully things that you only now understand in part, you will still have love. Okay? Love is something that will always be needed. Okay? So Galatians... Chapter 5, beginning at verse 22. Galatians 5, I'll just read it from up there. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Against such there is no law. There's an old song we used to sing. It said, for the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, and gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law, okay? There is no law against love, okay? And I'm not just talking about, because people will say, well, you know, there's a restriction on love depending on the, we're talking about agape. That's, that's the kind of love we're talking about here. We're not talking about, uh, we're talking about agape. And agape is first, and then you have storge, and then you have eros, and then you have phileo, okay? These are all the different forms of love. But agape is Uh, The love of God, okay? So the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, meekness, faith. And against such, there is no law, okay? Let me tell you a personal story, and I'll I'll tell you why I bored you with reading all of the scriptures. Uh, Just read it quickly. I remember growing up in Liberia when I first gave my life to Christ, when I first came to Christ in earnest, okay? Uh, I met a minister in my neighborhood by the name of uh, Reverend C.K. Dakadu. Reverend C.K. Dakadu uh, was in deliverance ministry. So the way uh, God used Reverend C.K. is that he operated in in such a way where wherever he went, uh, the Holy Spirit, uh, the gift of deliverance will manifest in his ministry and through his ministry. So wherever he went... Uh, just by having faith and believing God and praying. He was a prayer warrior. This man fasted and prayed. Uh, there were one time we, we did a 21-day fast with Reverend C.K. And uh, I remember, I, I, you know, 
I, I forgot about myself a little bit and I forgot that I had, I was dealing with a childhood illness and I'm like, yeah, we're going to do 21 days. And my mom had to pull me to the side and say, look, <laughs> I haven't spent all my money and all my life up to this point trying to save your life for you to kill yourself. All right. <laughs> you know, but we went, you know what? I went the 21 days. I went the full 21 days. And then uh, we used to do these seven days, what we call seven days dry fast. Okay, seven days dry fast is where, because typically uh, when you fast, we would do sun up to sundown. Okay, so we start 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. And then you break your fast at 6 p.m. Okay, and then you ate something. Usually if you were fasting seven days straight every day, okay, uh, sun up to sundown, when you got ready to break your fast, you don't just go eat a whole bunch of food. You start slow, you drink some hot water, you let your stomach loosen up, you know, you, you kind of take your time, you give it an hour, you pray, you let the whole, and then you eat a little bit more, and then, and you got, and when you're fasting like that, you have to eat light. You can't just eat the same way you've been eating, you know, ugali and pounded yam, because in Africa, <laughs> in Africa, we eat these starchy, heavy food with stew and meat, you know. You know, when you hear the name and the sound of the food, you know that it's heavy. You know, it's an obono. You know, pounded yam, ugali, you know, fufu. <laughs> so when you're eating, you have to eat like a man. <laughs> you know, most African will tell you, say, eat like a man. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so, you know, you can't be fasting and praying and be eating like you've lost your mind. <laughs> right? <laughs> when you're fasting and praying, you eat like a child. You eat little by little and you have to loosen up your system and allow it to relax, okay? So we'll do this seven-day fast and then we'll do a 21-day fast. And then there was this one guy, I remember a story of this one guy who said he was doing a 40-day fast. His name was Faya, okay? The tribe he was from in Liberia was the Gisi tribe. So the Gisi uh, name was Faya, okay? F-Y-I-A-H, you say Faya. So Faya said he was fasting 40 days, so this area said, but fire, everybody else is doing 21 days, seven days. You know, if it's your first time fasting, maybe start with three days. Do a three-day fast. The next time around, do a seven-day. Next time, do a 21-day. You know, you gotta, it's kind of like an athlete. You got to stretch those muscles out, right? You got to exercise them. Fire said, I'm doing the Jesus kind of a fast. I am doing 40 days. He, what if I have uh, uh, failed to realize there's only one time in Jesus' life he ever did that fast. Okay? He said, I'm doing the Jesus. He said, I'm not, I'm not holy. I'm, I'm not ready to do this thing until I'm doing the Jesus kind of a fast. So if I say he's doing the Jesus kind of a fast. So if I was fasting, seven days passed. 21 days came and passed. About the 40th, about the uh, 30th day, fire is laying in the room and almost at the point of death. So the people couldn't they say, hey, they call his mother, they say, please go and beg this boy to stop fasting. We know, we know that he loved God. We get the point now, okay? Fire said, and this fire guy was a guy, when you talk to fire, he talked like this, I'm doing the Jesus kind of a fast. So about the 30th day, they say, fire, he said, yes, fire, fire. <laughs> he said, fire, what kind of fast are you doing? I'm doing the Jesus kind of a fast. 
you know. So don't be like fire. <laughs> anyway, I mean, this thing got so bad that somebody had to bring the ambulance and force fire into the ambulance and take him to the hospital. All the way to the ambulance. And I said, please don't do this. I want to do the fire. I, kind of, I want to do Jesus. Anyways, but um, so we were fasting and praying. And this man got operated in deliverance ministry. And so one day we were in his yard because what he did is that he took a bunch of young men and I was a part of that group to mentor. And so one day we were at his house. He had a big yard and we would pray for people outside in the open in his yard. And so he had a number of people had come for deliverance. Among them was this young man. He was a teenager. Okay. He was about our age because me and another one of my buddies, we were probably about 17, 16 or 17. You know, we were part of the group and he looked like he was our age. He looked young. And this young man was possessed with a demon. I dare say he was possessed with demons, with different spirits. And he was in the yard. There was another lady who uh, they said somebody had cast a spell on. And she was foaming at the mouth and doing all kinds of stuff. Okay. And we needed to pray for her. So we had about three or four people who were praying for her at the same time. So we had this thing we call like a prayer ring. We would go around in circles, you know praying and speaking in tongues and, and prophesying and casting the demons out. But Reverend Dagadu, who was our leader and our head, we usually would follow his lead. So whatever he told us to do is what we would do. You know, he would say, go pray for this person, go. So if you were here praying with him for someone else and he felt like your prayer was weak, he would look at you and ask you, he say, have you been fasting and praying? Or have you been like cutting corners on the fast, Right. And if he discerned you hadn't been fasting and praying, he'll tell you to go over there with the other group where maybe they were praying for someone who had a lesser spirit that were dealing with a demonic possession of a lesser demon. In other words, if you were praying for someone who was possessed with some stronger territorial, strong man, what the scripture calls a strong man, because usually... Uh, when you're praying for the demon possessed, in my experience, what I learned is if someone is really seriously possessed with a demon and that demon is a strong man, what the strong man does is that he has authority, okay, in that body. And if that person is possessed, like the, the biblical example would be legion, okay, legion in the, uh, in, in the, in the scripture that Jesus encountered the demoniac of Gadarenes, this man who was possessed with legions of demons, okay? There's usually a strong man who is in authority over all of those demons. And if it's a real strong man, you have to bind the strong man, and then you can cast the rest of the demons out, okay? So if you didn't know what you were dealing with, uh, in teaching us and training us, Reverend Seeker would tell us, go over there and pray with that person because it seemed like that person may have like a lesser spirit. It's not a real strong man. You know, maybe they just got around to messing with Ouija boards or whatever and got something and got possessed. You know, go pray for that person because maybe they got around with messing with yoga or whatever and they got some spirits into themselves. So go and cast it out. Anyways, so we're praying for this young man and he had... He was possessed with a mockery demon. Now, if you've never encountered a mockery spirit before, the whole objective of the mockery demon is to make you laugh. <laughs> and the moment you laugh, you're not, <laughs> it's over. You know, I mean, you eventually will probably still overcome it and you're able, you're able to cast that spirit out. 
But knowing that we were teenagers and we were young guys and we were, you know, just really prone and susceptible to, to that, the, this uh, young guy started to make faces, okay? So Reverend Secretary said, go and pray for that guy. And he started to make faces. And as he was making these weird faces, but they were funny. I mean, this is like some of the funniest faces you've ever seen. So my buddy and I, who were used to cracking jokes, we're looking at each other and we got to pray for this guy, right? We're like, okay, how are we going to pray for this dude? He's trying to make you laugh and you trying to make me laugh, right? And this dude is just contorting his face. I mean, he's doing the corniest, weirdest things you've ever seen. Now, at the same time, he was doing all these poses and all these different, he, uh, he was getting in all these different stances and doing all these different, you know, weird moves. Now, in 2020, because hindsight is 2020, I now know that he, the, the poses and the positions he was getting in were yoga and tai chi poses, okay? I didn't know that at the time because I was born uh, and grew up, and I hadn't traveled 50 miles outside of where I grew up. I was only 16 or 17 years old. I didn't know anything about the world. I didn't know there was uh, Eastern religions and uh, there were different worldviews or anything like that. So this guy's doing these poses and making faces, and we're laughing the whole time. And we're there struggling so, and trying to bind it. We'll bind you. And when we say, and my buddy would say, I bind you in the name of Jesus. And, you know, I mean, just weird stuff, you know. And we just, we, we couldn't do it. We couldn't do it. We were young. We were stupid. Uh, God forgive us. But it, this was the reality. But the reason I bring that story up is because later on, we went and asked Reverend Sikha, we said, why was, he, uh, why was he doing those things? He said, well, first of all, you got to understand the spirit you were dealing. Number one, you were dealing with a mock redeemer. His entire aim was to mock you, okay, and to make light of what you were trying to do in order. He said, that's, that was just a tactic of the spirit that you were dealing with because it didn't want to leave. It didn't want to go. So it was trying to get you, you know, this, it was like playing a game with you. He said, secondly, he said, you see those poses and those different things you were doing? He said, those are uh, born out of, uh, he said, that's, that was my first time hearing anything about yoga in my life, anything about Tai Chi. He said, because eventually when Reverend Sikha came over and he arrested the spirit and the demon, this guy came to attention and the demon began to speak and he spoke to him and he asked him, he said, how did you get in here? And the spirit said, I'm an ancient spirit. We were there. This is something that happened live. I'm telling you, I was there. And the spirit said, I'm an ancient spirit. He said, an ancient spirit, what does that mean? He said, well, I'm from the east. He said, I'm an eastern spirit. So whatever this kid got involved with or got involved into, somehow he contacted this demonic spirit and became not just oppressed, but became possessed to the level of possession, okay, of spiritual possession. And the spirit said, I'm an eastern spirit. So Reverend Dagadu explained to us that that's why he was doing all those different poses because this kid, like us, had never traveled maybe 30 miles outside of where he grew up. How did he know? He had probably, he wasn't even as well read as we were from what we knew about him because we talked to his parents and the parents, usually when, you, when you're trying to set someone free from demonic oppression, you talk to the family because you're trying to get a history. You're trying to develop a diagnosis. It's sort of like a doctor needs to diagnose what the issue is so they can know how to deal with it, right? They can know how to treat it. 
So this kid has never traveled 30 miles outside of where he grew up. How did he know all these poses? How did he know all these moves and all these things he was doing other than this spirit being an Eastern spirit possessing him and being familiar with this, okay? And so that's what was happening to him. And so eventually when uh, Reverend Sikha prayed for him and laid hands upon him and the spirit came out shouting and screaming and this kid was set free. I mean, it was one of the most... uh, fascinating uh, deliverance experiences I've, I've ever been through because the, the demon not only came out screaming and shouting, I mean, he urinated and defecated on himself right there on the spot. You know, it was, it was wild. And this kid all of a sudden came back to himself and he's in his right mind and he's close. And then so our job now was to start to mentor him and get the word of God in him. Okay, because when a strong man leaves, you know, the, the scripture says that he comes back and he tries to check and see if his house is clean. And if his house is clean and empty and left swept because you haven't occupied that space with, some other, with something else, which is the Holy Ghost and the word of God, he tries to find a way to come back in. And so our job now was to disciple him and get the word of God back in him and get the word of God and get him full with the word of God and, and lead him to Christ. Uh, right away okay so that was our job but the reason I bring that story up because it reminds me of the story in the in the scripture that we just read about Simon the sorcerer okay and, and here's where it relates and this is why I call this series word views spirits and the gift of the Holy Spirit okay because the fact of the matter is uh, the word view this kid didn't know anything about word views okay but word views do matter. That's the point I want you to know, okay? The spiritual world, the point I want to make is that the spiritual world is real. Somebody say real. The spiritual world is real, and evil spirit often disguise themselves in word views and tantalizing mystery. So this is what Simon was doing. The scripture says that he had bewitched that entire region. And the people thought this guy was something. They thought he was the man. He was awesome. This guy used sorcery and magic. And the people were just in awe of him and fascinated by him. Okay? But he was operating with a spirit, with a demonic spirit. But their word view, because of their word view, that if someone was operating at that level and of, of magical uh, sorcery and was able to perform these magical things, that person was to be revered. That person was to be feared. That's, that was the word view. Okay? So, but uh, the spiritual word is real. And evil spirits often disguise themselves in word views. Okay? So what's the word view? For example, the example I give you of the young man who was doing these poses and this, that. What do you understand? I mean, and I, let me just say this. There's the spirit behind uh, yoga and Tai Chi and all those things is a worldview called EPM, Eastern Pantheistic Monoism. Okay? So on the back of your bulletin, I have word views. It, it's not going to say EPM on the back of your bulletin. It's going to say uh, pantheism. Same thing. Okay? Eastern Pantheistic Monoism. That's where... Uh, a lot of Eastern religions fall into that worldview, okay? Your Buddhism falls into it. Your Hinduism falls into that worldview, okay? The, the basic uh, premise of that worldview is that everything is in God and God is in everything. Everything is one with God. And the whole 
uh, objective is to achieve oneness with God. And the way you do that is through this, the, um, you see where, that's, so that's where the whole thing comes from. You cross your leg and do like this, and you do your hand like this, and then you chant and just, because um, you're trying to achieve that oneness, right? Okay? But Christian theism says that, yeah, God is everywhere, and he is the creator of all things, but he's not in all things. Therefore, we don't worship all things. We worship him. Even though he's, every, he's omnipotent, he's omniscient, and he's omnipresent. That means he's all-powerful, he's all-knowing, and he's everywhere at the same time. But he's not in everything. You see the difference? So it's, it's real subtle. Okay, if you don't know the differences. So we say he's not in everything. So that's why we don't worship things. Because uh, EPM will go as far as to say that because he's in everything, you now are a God. We human beings are a God. And we can ascend and rise to God status if we just experience nirvana, the um, the oneness. You, so the, 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 the goal is to become one. So when you're doing yoga and all those different things and you're getting to those different poses and those different positions, those are actually worship postures that you're striking. <laughs> and you're worshiping an eastern demonic power okay because at the end of the day when you get in you say oh it's just exercise and health yeah it's just exercise but that's the disguise okay simon the sorcerer oh he's just a magician he's just a wonderful man you know in fact as a matter of fact there are people who've been possessed with demons that he's actually helped too of course so what the enemy does that he tricks you so if someone is not operating in the spirit of god and someone else is, someone was telling me a story of a young lady who was possessed with a, a demon growing up as a teenager. And so they were trying to find someone to pray for her. And they made a mistake and took her to like a shaman or something. And all they did was that just made her three times as worse as she already was. Because they're basically conjuring up a stronger spirit to suppress the lesser demon. And make it look like this person is no longer demon possessed, but then there's a stronger spirit that is now possessing that person. It's just a matter of time for it to manifest. Hmm. Is this helping anyone? Okay. So word views, spirits, and the gift of the spirit. Okay. So uh, the thing is, the spiritual word is real, and evil spirits often disguise themselves in word views and tantalizing mystery. Oh, is this yoga? Is this Tai Chi? It's just all of that. But what, so why is this young man I'm telling you about was striking these poses and doing all these different things that he had never known, he'd never seen before until this spirit possessed him. And all of a sudden he's doing these things. And, and you know, these, and so there's a certain contorted position you get in. And each one of these, if you really read deep and study uh, yoga and read the books and the guy who, who uh, created and developed it. It tells you what each of these uh, poles, each pose you strike, it tells you exactly what it means and which God you're worshiping. It's not hidden. So you can try to sanctify it all you want, okay? He said, <laughs> God said, uh, you are not to be a partaker in the deciding of what is permissible and what is not. I'm going to leave that right there. Okay, the second point here, the second takeaway I want you to get from that story is the gift of the Holy Spirit, however, is a unique gift given by Jesus to believers for four reasons. Somebody say four reasons. So, number one, the spiritual word is real. 
Okay, and evil spirits do exist and often disguise themselves. So there's a real spiritual world. But God is giving us a, a, a superior spirit called the, the Holy Spirit. And the way he did it was when Jesus left, okay, Jesus said, I'm going to send you the gift of the Holy Spirit. So when I leave, he said, I got to get out of here. Because if I don't leave, I can't, give, I can't bless you with this gift. I can't send you this gift. But if I leave, then I can send the Holy Spirit and you can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So the gift, in dealing with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, what I want you to understand is the gifts are not really the gift. The gift is the Holy Spirit. That's the gift. He said, I'm going to send you the gift of the Holy Spirit. I will pour out my spirit. So the gift at Pentecost, what really happened at Pentecost was an outpouring of the spirit of God. It was made available for all who believe. Now, the thing I like about Acts 8 and Acts 19, and this is where theologically there's been historical arguments. The question becomes, at what point do you receive the Holy Spirit? Is it at the point of salvation, at the point that you make that confession that you receive Jesus into your life? Or is it an experience subsequent to salvation? Is it an additional uh, experience? From Acts 19 and 8, you will see that uh, there are a lot of places that the disciples, when they say, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And then the scripture says that after they lay hands upon them, the Spirit came upon them in power. Okay? So that's just something to ponder. If you really think about it, what does that mean? Does that mean there's, a, there's an experience of the Holy Spirit? Even though I'm saved and I'm a believer, there's an aspect of experiencing the Holy Spirit that is, I could be missing out on. Anyways, just something to think about. Okay, but the gift of the Holy Spirit is a unique gift given by Jesus uh, to believers for four reasons. Here are your four reasons, Okay. As an expression of God's love. This is why this is important. As we uh, go through this series, and I'm about to end. As we go through this series, uh, the rest of the way, I need you to understand one important thing about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Number one, Jesus has given us the gift of the Holy Spirit as an expression of God's love for people. Okay? Jesus was often moved with compassion to act unlike Simon the sorcerer who was motivated by profit and the need for power okay so what anchors the gift of the Holy Spirit then is love that's why I read uh, chapter 13 of 1st Corinthians he said you can have all the gifts you can be manifesting and operating in all the gifts of the Holy Spirit okay first You need to have the Holy Spirit first because the Holy Spirit is the gift. That's the gift is the Holy Spirit. Everything else is a manifestation. So this is how it breaks down. Everything else is the Holy Spirit. Once you have him, he opens up this treasure trove of gifts and say, now, which one can we use? You know, depending on how he's using you. And depending on what he's doing in your life, in and through you, okay, in the earth and in his kingdom, he makes certain gifts available to you. And the Holy Spirit remains in control of the gifts because he's the gifter and he's the giver of the gifts. And the gifts are manifested and activated 
and use according to his will. But what anchors the gifts is the love of God. Because if you speak with the tongues of angels and you have not love, you are sounding symbol. Okay? So that's what Galatians said, that the fruit of the spirit is love, joy. So here's my point. Here's the point I'm going to make. Okay, let me give you the four reasons first, and I'll, I'll make my main point, okay? As an expression of God's love. Number two, for the advancement of the kingdom of God. The, the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit is given for the advancement of the kingdom of God, okay? There are a lot of places where Jesus will heal people, and the gift of God will be manifested, and someone will get healed and delivered, and Jesus will say, oh, don't rejoice because you got delivered, but he said, what this means is that the kingdom of God has broken through into human reality. So whenever, wherever you see the gift of God is being manifested, God is saying that my kingdom has actually broken through into your reality. And so a lot of times, Paul, uh, you will see the disciples traveling, and God is using them powerfully. And Paul said something that struck me. He said, when I came to you, I didn't come to you in excellency of speech. He said, I know I'm a good speaker. I, could, I can debate every one of you and debunk all of your lies in T minus three minutes. It won't even take me that long to debunk your lies. He said, but I didn't come in excellence of speech, but I came in demonstration of power. Because you can, you can preach and you can talk until you're blue in the face. At some point, with certain people group, power settles every controversy. The scripture says that the Greek seek after knowledge, but the Jews seek after a sign. They say, I hear what you're saying, but show me a sign. How do I know that you're really, truly the child of God? How do I know that what you're saying is true? So Paul said that whenever I was speaking, God backed me up with his power. There was demonstration of power. Okay? So the, the, the manifestation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit says the kingdom of God has broken through into your reality. For sure. For real. Okay? Okay? But here's the thing. Higher priority, and I'll close here, should be placed on cultivating the fruit of the Spirit than manifesting the gifts of the Spirit. It's kind of dark here. Put these lights back up. We're about to close. Okay? Higher priority should be placed on cultivating the fruit of the Spirit than manifesting the gifts of the Spirit. You know why? Because do you know how you know someone is spiritually mature? Okay? We've had, even as Mosaic, as young as we are as a fellowship, we've had experiences in our midst where people put so much priority on the gifts, but they were operating in error and they didn't even realize it because the gifts are so flamboyant. The gifts are awesome. When you see the gift of God being manifested, right, that's something that people gravitate to. When someone is prophesying and telling you things that only you knew and you knew that God only God could have revealed that to that person. Man, that is attractive. You know, that's powerful stuff. You know, when someone is operating in the gifts of healing, when they lay hands on people and, you know, people are healed and they lay hands and demons come out and people are set free, that stuff is attractive. And we've had experiences where people put so much emphasis on the fact that God was using them in certain gift area, okay, or the, the, the gift of God they were operating in a certain gift of the Holy Spirit. 
of the Holy Spirit was manifesting a certain gift set. See, these are, I'm very intentional about the words I'm using. The Holy Spirit was manifesting a particular gift set in this person, and they became a little bit high-minded, thinking that they were special, you know, and set apart from everyone else. But here's the thing. I'm never impressed by the gifts being manifested in someone. That shouldn't be impressive to you as a believer. Do you know what should impress you? Do you know what you should be impressed by? When you look at someone's life, look to see if they're manifesting the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, meekness, faith. The kind of stuff against which you can't pass judgment. That's what it means. Against such there is no law. Yeah, you can be arrested (laughs) for that. There is no law, you know. Even the Old Testament law can't do anything about that because you're now manifesting the fruit of the Spirit. So when you get the gift of the Spirit, there are two things that should should be happening. You're receiving the Holy Spirit. The way I know you have the Holy Spirit is that you're starting to cultivate. I'm starting to see the gift of the Spirit manifested in you. I'm starting to see evidence of the fruit of the spirit first, I'm sorry, okay, that you have joy, peace, patience, that you walk in love. The moment somebody says something to you, you don't snap back, and then you go and prophesy to someone on the other end. I mean, come on. You know, there's a duality here. What's going on? You can't, you're out of control. There's no self-control. There's no meekness. There's no temperance. The fruit of the spirit is not evident in your life. But then you want to operate in the gift of the spirit. The scriptures say you cause sinners to blaspheme my name. That's what God said. Because you're unruly and you're out of control. What you don't understand is that the priority is on the fruit. Show me. He said by their fruit you shall know them. Show me your fruit. I'm not interested. I mean I am interested a little bit in the gifts. You know the gifts are awesome. Okay. But. What I want to see in your life, and this is why we teach the scripture. This is why we come to church. This is why we tell you, don't forsake the assembly of the brethren together. Okay? Because we want you to grow and develop in the fruit of the spirit. And then, once you understand and you're able to walk, okay, in the fruit of the spirit powerfully, the gifts, God doesn't hold back too many gifts. Oh, because he know that you're mature enough to handle it. You're not going to embarrass him. You're not going to hurt people. Because you, sometimes the very gifts of the spirit can be used in hurtful ways. Ask me how I know. There are people who prophesy lie and say they're prophesying to people. Or they prophesy and tell someone something that God gave them for that person. And now they feel they're the managing director of that person's life. God didn't tell you to go in. God told you to release the word and detach yourself from it and let the word, because he said, my word will never return unto me void, but it will accomplish that which I've sent it to accomplish. And if that person rejects it or that person is not operating or being obedient to what the word, that's their problem. You've done your part. You can pray for them. You are still supposed to operate in love with them. Right? You're still supposed to be kind to them. 
Hello? Right? Can't say, oh, well, you know, I, I, the Lord gave me a word. I knew it was a show word. Matter of fact, when I took you to that prophetic conference and that man spoke, I knew it was a show word. And here you are, you're not even doing half of what the man said. And now you think you have a license to be nasty. <laughs> okay? My final point is, The presence of the fruit, all nine fruits, by the way, is more a sign of maturity than the presence of the gifts. This is what Paul meant in 13 when he said, with all of these things, considering all of this, I want to show you a more excellent way. That more excellent way is the way of love. Because all this stuff, these, the gifts that we're excited about now, they're going to cease. But what's not going to cease? Even uh, in his second coming when Christ come back, okay? He still expects you because what happened is what's going to go to heaven. Okay, you see, a lot of times uh, you think your body is not going to go to heaven. Your body is not going to be, it's going to be transformed. It's going to be a heavenly body. Okay, but what we call the soul. Do you know what the soul is? The soul is the seat of your emotions, your will, and your intellect. <laughs> That's what goes to heaven. The soul is the seat of your emotions. Your will. So that's why the Holy Spirit, even though God is a spirit, he has emotions. He's not emotional. <laughs> you understand what I mean? But he has feelings. You can quench the Holy Spirit. Even though God is a spirit, he has a will. Okay? That's why he tells you, my, what we say, your will be done and not my will. Okay? Even though God is a spirit... He has intelligence. He has an, the only reason you and I are able to be intelligent, have an intellect, is because we're made in the image of God. That's the image of God on us. It's an intellectual image. It's a moral image. It's not a physical image. You know what I'm saying? So your soul is the seat of your will, your emotions, and your intellect. Okay? So that means even in his second coming, you will still need to be meek. And loving and patient and kind. Now, the, the capacity or the propensity for sin will no longer be there. Okay? But this is what will remain. This is what will last. That's so why he said this is a more excellent way. So the gifts of the Spirit are just for this time. It's just for this space that we're in because we see in part. So we need it. In order, that's how the kingdom of God breaks through into our reality. It's through the gifts. When the gift is powerfully manifested, you know that the kingdom of God is here. You know that the kingdom of God is at hand. Amen. I'm going to stop right here. Uh, time is far spent. And uh, we're going to go from there. What time is it? Okay. So next time, we're going to deal with the gifts explored. Somebody said the gifts explored. So we're going to explore uh, the different spiritual gifts, okay, or the different manifestations because the gift is really the Holy Spirit. That's the gift. If you have the Holy Spirit, you already have the gift. That's the gift that Jesus has sent is the Holy Spirit, okay? He said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. That's the gift. And then when the Holy Spirit comes, he opens this treasure box and says, look, I got goodies with me too. <laughs> I got healings. I got deliverance. I got miracles. I got, you know what I'm saying? He opens up his treasure box 
and you can take from there and and then but what is for though is for the edification of the body it's for the advancement of the kingdom it's as a demonstration of God's love for people that's what the gifts are for it's not for you to be uh, apostle apostle uh give me one Kenyan apostle name uh, <laughs> Apostle Muluba, or whoever his name is, Kamawo Muluba. See, everybody must call him Apostle. If you make mistake and don't call him Apostle, <laughs> may God deal with you. <laughs> you understand me? So everybody's walking around with this big apostolic, you know, and we think that the gifts of God, because you're operating in a little bit of power. A little bit of prophecy, a little bit of healing. God is using you a little bit. Now you are Professor Apostle Immaculate. <laughs> That's not what it's for. Okay? So if you're not operating in love, if you're not operating in peace, in patience, in joy, in kindness, in the fruit of the Spirit, I'm not impressed. I am not, and you shouldn't be either. Amen. Father, we bless you and thank you this morning. Thank you that your word is quick, powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword to the dividing asunder of flesh and spirit, bone and marrow. Father God, we thank you that even as your word has gone forth this morning, that you will bring clarity for this time in our lives, Lord. That we will understand your spirit, the gifts of the spirit, the operating of these gifts, how they're activated, how they're used. As in, in the days and the weeks to come, Lord, even leading up to Pentecost, Lord, that we will begin to, to see the manifestation of your power and of your gifts in our midst, Lord. We give you praise and we give you honor for all that you're doing in and through your people, Lord. And we just want to thank you this morning. Hallelujah. Listen, we want to pray before we leave. I don't want to go beyond 1130, so let me know if I'm getting close to it. But uh, if there's anyone here who need prayer this morning, and uh, you need some of that, as as we're teaching through this series, we're going to uh, give opportunity for the Holy Spirit to do what he does, to manifest the gift. So if you're here this morning and you say, I need healing, I need someone to pray with me. I just need some. I need a touch from God. Okay. Now, let me tell you something about how the gifts work. Okay. Because you need it. Because you need it. And because you think you deserve it. Okay. And because we've talked about it doesn't necessarily mean it always happens in the way we expect it to. I just want to be clear on that. Okay. But he says that we should always ask. And when we ask him, we should always ask in faith and we should expect.